Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created the space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Enjoy. Hi there. I hope you all had a lovely Easter and enjoyed the long weekend. Thank you to those of you. Again, I've just had a really nice week of just lovely feedback. People taking the time to send me a message to say they really enjoyed the podcast. They're getting so much out from the stories. It's being listened to all over the world. So nice and really rewarding to... I put these episodes out on a Sunday night and then I honestly don't think about who's listening or the fact that it is listened to. Um, so it's not until I hear your feedback that I that I realise that there actually are people behind the statistics and the numbers at the end of the day. So thank you so much for taking the time to get in touch. I really appreciate it. So to introduce you to my guest this week, I share my chat with Brenda. And Brenda talks me through her two experiences with birth and also suffering early pregnancy loss between uh, her little girl and her little boy. So Brenda opted to have a home birth on both of, of her pregnancies and the reason being she's hard of hearing and she speaks to me about suffering with deaf anxiety so basically she would be nervous that she would miss her name being called in an appointment she would uh, be anxious that she isn't understanding what is being said to her that she's not able to lip read properly especially you know with her second pregnancy when there was masks being worn in the hospitals and throughout her appointments so on both occasions she was actually transferred to hospital I will let her tell you the reasons why and how quickly her labours progressed um, again on on both occasions. She had amazing support uh, with her midwife Caroline who thankfully got into the hospital um, with her first experience and was there to really advocate for her as much as she needed to Last year I tried to transcribe all of the episodes. I really wanted them accessible for everyone but cost was a factor and the the software I was using was was rubbish and wasn't sensitive to accents or anything like that. But I'm going to try again. I will at least give you one episode that's transcribed on the website. I will do as much as I can to make sure that the podcast is not limited to any audience. So thank you Brenda for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Enjoy and I'll chat to you all next week. 
Brenda, you're very welcome. We are finally having this conversation. Yes, we are. How are you? Do you want to just dive straight in? Tell us a little bit about you and your lovely family and then we'll talk about your births. Yes. Hi, my name is Brenda. I am from Cork. I have two children and um, can't wait to dive in on their stories, to be honest. I mean, I, I feel like we've had such fun births. Uh, I am a sign language interpreter. Oh, I'm actually hard of hearing. So this kind of plays into a lot of my story and the difficulties of uh, that's about me in a nutshell. Um, so I'm just going to dive in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work away. Birth, you know? So my firstborn, her name is Casey, and she will be three in July. Uh, basically, at the time we were uh, back in what 2018, we kind of said, you know what, let's start trying. Uh, we didn't really do the whole um you know, uh, checking dates and all that kind of thing. We just said, let's not use protection and just mm. go for it and see what happened. But in fairness now, even though we were that kind of like blase about it, it was still a little bit stressful. And month after month, nothing was happening. And there is that little part of you that does get disappointed. Yeah, of but course. then towards the end of the year, we decided, at that time I was living in uh, Kildare, my partner then is my husband now, but uh, we decided to move to Cork back into my home house, uh, my family home. And you know, they say new house, new baby. Mm. So I that kind of all happened at the same time. I was like eight weeks pregnant, having to move house. And it was very stressful, but it was a good distraction at the same time. I was like, you know, right, I'll deal with that when I get to Cork and then decided to see a GP and confirm the pregnancy and all that. So I kind of started looking into the home birth route. So in a weird way, I was influenced by influencers on Instagram about home births. And that's kind of where I started my knowledge about it. Like this like started before pregnancy. I was like, that is something I would like to do. And I kind of, had seen these Instagrammers uh, there was two in Ireland I had followed and I was like I didn't realize it was a thing that could be done in Ireland I just assumed everybody had babies in hospitals mm-hmm. so this kind of like opened up a whole new door to me and as I was saying before that I'm hard of hearing and one of my biggest stressors is what I call deaf anxiety and it's things like going to medical appointments and I'm sitting in a waiting room and I'm waiting for my name to be called mm. and I get so stressed and anxious. And I have a history of um, anxiety and depression. So this just kind of adds another layer onto it. And it's also when I meet new people, it's that battle of can I hear them? Am I making sure I'm getting the full information? I need to lip read. Accents affect me. And it was just the thought of all that in the early pregnancy made me think about wanting to go down the home birth route because I would have the continuous care from a very few group. So like the GP, the midwife, and I would develop that, you know, bond and relationship with them and being able to speak face to face and just 
getting used to their voices and things like that. Yeah, it, yeah. It just it made me feel so much better. So deaf anxiety had a lot to play with when it came to my decision to go down the whole breakfast. And honestly, like I can't say anything more about the service. It's fantastic. And I was lucky enough to be on the HSC scheme. Um everything. Like I I cannot say enough good things about it. And because I'm fluent in sign language and I have a lot of deaf friends. Actually, there's a group of women that I know, deaf females, who just were on the home birth scheme recently and were able to come and talk to me about my knowledge of it. So it's it kind of that trickle effect, you know, once you know one person has done it, mm-hmm. it kind of inspires other people to look at it. Um, so I'm very proud of that. Um, so then with Casey, the pregnancy was pretty good, actually. Had a very good pregnancy couple of issues with um high blood pressure but like it was the first read and then the second one would be okay you know um so that was fine pregnancy was good the environmental um, reasons like maybe yeah yes yeah so this was later discovered in my second pregnancy that they reckon I have white um it's called white coat syndrome yes yeah yeah so this is what I like I will talk about more in the next pregnancy but with Casey I think it was because I was completely in denial and I think that helped alleviate my anxiety like I knew nothing like (laughs) I didn't know what was ahead of me but I was so focused on labor that was it I didn't think beyond that I was like wait let's get through labor um and I was I was always like I have a high pain tolerance and I know that because I had spinal surgery and I like I've gone through worse I'm sure but you know so and I was like, I've done top mother with a with a prolapse disc. I can do this, you know. <laughs> so um I kind of had a great pregnancy, really great pregnancy. And then came the day of the labor. And I So was, just just ask yeah. you a question quickly. Sorry, oh. what did you do any preparation, any classes or hypnobirthing, yoga, anything like that? No, like I say, I, I was in complete denial. I was one okay. of these people who kind of said let's just go with the flow, see what happens. Uh, I looked into hypnobirthing with gentle birth, but at the time we had really bad internet and I had paid up, paid for the program. And then I had problems with my internet. I couldn't even watch a video. It was so bad. Oh. I just did not have the data to, and I, I gave up. And as well as that, it was all hearing based and I'm very much a reader and a listener because of my hearing. And, and, and it's very hard to find resources like that um I did look into affirmations affirmations were a really good thing for me I did like a affirmation board things you know I'm very much of like positive speaking towards myself Mm. but as I said same time we just moved into my home house and there was a lot of work to be done so I kind of kept myself distracted for most of the pregnancy I was I'm not joking I was um plastering a wall at like six seven months pregnant on a ladder (laughs) And um, like my midwife is like, no, you shouldn't be doing this, you know. And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm grand, you know. I, I, that was my mentality. I was like, I'm fine, everything's grand. Total in denial. Um, but that's just kind of how I face things in general, you know. I'll deal with it when it comes to, it, mm. you know. And the same came for labor. So, uh, on the day, I, I was four days. So I was 39 plus three or something like that. So I was very much at the 40 weeks. 
And I woke up one morning and something just does not feel right, you know. And my husband was on nights the night before, so he wasn't home in the morning yet. And I just had this feeling, I don't know, I just, it's a weird feeling that I just can't describe, even to this day. Like, I've experienced it twice and I still can't, like, I don't know, your your brain and your body are just completely different to what it normally acts. Uh, that morning and I kind of stood up and fluid came out of me and again totally in denial not knowing how things should be like I tried to avoid Google as much as possible because I just didn't want to go down that rabbit hole so I rang the midwife and I was like hi I think things are happening and she was like okay well are you timing it? I was like, no, well, you should be. So again, just not with it at all. Just total going with the flow. And were you feeling anything at this stage? Did you have, have yes. surges? or? I, okay. I had, yeah. So they were coming quite fast, actually. Straight away, it was like half six in the morning. And they were coming quite fast. And so the midwife was on the phone to me. And she was there going, mm, mm, okay, yeah, things are definitely happening. And they're happening quite fast. But you might not have the baby until this evening. So let's not, because this is your first baby, let's not get stressed mm-hmm. about it. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'll, um, oh, and she goes, like, what colours are fluid? And I kind of said, oh, it's, uh, I'm not really sure, but I think it's kind of like greeny brown. Like, and she's like, oh, okay, mm. this could be meconium. Never heard the word in my life before. Again, total not knowing what things are. Um. And she said, look, if this is the case, then you're going to have to go to hospital. Home birth is called off. And um, I, have, I have the mantra of it is what it is. That's always been the thing me and my husband say to each other. If anything, go, it doesn't go our way. We just go, it is what it is. And we'll deal mm. with it. And I like that. You know, it keeps me grounded. Let's just deal with it. Mm-hmm. So then my uh, husband came home. Uh, his name is Keith. So Keith came home from work, half seven in the morning after a 12 hour shift. And I was like, yeah, I think we're having a baby today. <laughs> he was like, oh. And had you told him beforehand? Had you had you let him oh, know at all? No, no. no. I was standing there at the door waiting for him. I'm sure it only kicked off a half six. He was home at half seven. Yeah, so yeah. I was on the phone to the midwife the whole time and so he arrived in and like the poor fella hadn't slept since like uh, one o'clock the day before. So yeah. he was wrecked. But for him, no. OK, it was uh, my adventure. So uh, anyway, Keith got the birth pool set up. Uh, we had an old burka of the hot water boiler thing going, the hot tank on. And he was like, you know what, let's not kill it just yet until the midwife is here and let's see what's happening I'm glad we didn't because it would have taken us all day but midwife came and unfortunately she confirmed meconium so that kind of that was it but I'll never forget the midwife like she rang she checked she did a a B and then she because she needed to assess whether Keith could drive me or did she need to call an ambulance so I was only like one centimeter 
so she rang the hospital and they're like, why can she come in through the emergency room? She's a, a home birth patient. And um, so that was fine. They were like, that's fine. She can go with her husband. He can drive her because she's only one centimeter. Well, then I decided that I needed to bring everything from the house at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like I was just pacing around and I saw the midwife was just looking at me going, you need to go now, like now. I'm like, hold on, I need one more thing. Like just not understanding the importance of what was going on. Anyway, uh, off we went in the car, got to the hospital and went into the emergency room and they checked me there and I was five centimeters. So within 40 minutes, I had went from one centimeter to like five centimeters. Um, How did you feel in the car? Was it awful, manageable? Awful, yeah. Awful. I'm not kidding. Because I always knew I wanted to be standing. Mm. Like That was the one thing I kind of researched was positions. And I knew about tearing, like the research behind tearing and, you know, letting gravity do its work. But when you're sitting mm-hmm. in the car and you're squeezed in that front because you had to put the baby seat in the car, of course. And I remember looking at Keith going, do not go over those speed bumps. And of course, he decided to take the road that went over the speed bumps. And I was, if looks could kill him, that was the day he was going to die. Like, you know, it was a squishy. I wouldn't know. Like, uh-uh. So... That indicated it was going to be pretty fast, like, you know, things were going very quickly. But inside the emergency room, it wasn't a great experience. Um, So the home birth midwife is allowed to come in with you and they wouldn't let her in. She had to wait out in the waiting room and it was myself and Keith inside the emergency room. And I kept saying, bring Caroline in, please. I need her here. She knows everything that's going on. And because of my deafness and I was just so stressed at that. And I kept trying to get Keith to like, it's not even translate, but repeat what they're saying, because how do women make decisions in the height of labor by themselves? I'll never understand because your brain isn't there. Like it just like having an advocate, I feel is so important. Like, and Keith is, he's great, but like he felt so useless and we probably should have done more in terms of educating him on what to do in certain situations. But we had Caroline, you know, and we had the midwife and she knew everything. She knew my history and she knew what I wanted and she was well able to advocate for me. But the, the midwives inside the ER just were not letting me in, uh, letting her in. And I was like, bring her in. And I was like, this baby is coming now. Like, I was like, I need to push, like, screaming at them. And they were like, no, no, there's no rush. Like, in a minute, in a minute. And I never felt so upset at how they talked to me, like, as if I was a little child. Um, and maybe they thought I was being over dramatic, but I was there shouting at them, like, I am having this baby now. You know, I need to push. Um Eventually, they let Caroline in and Caroline looked at me and heard me and immediately turned around to two midwives and went, you better get her to the labor room right now because she's going to have this baby right here. And mm. two midwives mm. ran off and got me a wheelchair and brought me straight to the labor ward because she said it. 
and that that annoyed me that really annoyed me how they just didn't listen to me and like I'm very in sync with my body and I know that and I've known that for years and I knew I had to push but they were like completely like no you don't this is your first time kind of attitude and I'm like oh okay oh yeah yeah even talking about it now triggers it you know I can feel the anger from that time so anyway uh brought me down to the labor room and the midwives were trying to get me onto the bed and thank god for Caroline she was like nope because she she put the bed she got the grabbed the remote off and put the the bed up high so I could stand because she knew how important that was to me. I just wanted to be labor while standing. And I'm not, I, I just can't believe how much of an advocate she is. Like I had to do nothing from there on. She took care of everything behind the scenes for me. You know, like anytime, like she knew exactly what I wanted on my plan and it took that pressure off and it was just me and Keith able to enjoy our time together. Not that we had much time because baby came in 20 minutes. So we, I was standing there. This is, it's funny when you're talking about it, how things come back to you. So I was standing on the side of the bed and this lady came into the room and she was like the head of the midwifery team, but she wasn't supposed to be in the room. Like she basically deal with the admin side of things or like, you know, she is a midwife, but she's, Oh my god! Shouldn't have been in the room that day, or something. Something like she was like the head of the team, or something. She came in to put a monitor around, and I, oh, I was getting so triggered by her touching me. It was like, just get it off me! Like I'm about to have this baby, you know. And she, she was trying so hard to get this monitor on me, and I was like, I'm pushing. And this thing, Caroline leans down to her and goes, um, mm. uh, "You might want to pull down our knickers. I think the baby's here." And uh, sure enough, she she reached down and pulled down my underwear and there I was crowning. And she looked up and she said, right, didn't even have time to get the monitor on it. I'm like, thank God. And then the stress, the, it was my fear. My fear kicked in at that point. I started hyperventilating. And I was trying to get up onto the bed. I was like, I can't, I just can't get myself up onto this bed. Caroline loaded down she got me the cub the u-shaped pillow thing to put my belly in and so I could break on my knees and I was like I can't get up on the bed and Keith was there just trying to coach me he was like Brenda what do you say about fear because he could see me panicking and then I'd <laughs> excuse my language but I shouted back and I was like fear can go fuck itself and I jumped up onto the bed and there was this kind of moment when I looked at Caroline and the other lady and they yeah. just looked at him going, what just happened? Like, I just jumped up onto this bed and I'm like, right, I'm ready. Let's go for it. But because I was kind of finding it hard to catch my breath, they were like, you know, hyperventilation. So they gave me some gas. But looking back on it now, it wasn't fear of going through mm-hmm. pregnancy. And I still remember this in my head at that time going, my life is about to change as I know it. Like it was that fear of, okay, there's no going back now. I am having this baby and my life is going to change. It was that, like a eureka moment kind of going, oh no, like 
this is it. I have to care for somebody else. Like it was a very strange moment. And that's what I was panicking about. It wasn't the idea of birth and the baby. It was what's next because I hadn't focused beyond yeah. that point. Anyway, baby came very fast and I was the first one to pick up Casey. And that was the best thing mm-hmm. about having Caroline there is that she, like I find with the home birth, it's very much that whole let nature take its way and, you know, birth on my knees and, you know, they caught the baby and, you know, put her down. But then I was the first one and I got her under under me and pulled her straight up onto my chest. Um, but but when they, when she, she came down, like I didn't know the sex at the time and I was convinced it was a boy. 100% convinced it was a boy. And then Keith got to tell me it was a little girl and I was like, no, <laughs> this changes everything. Um, but it was a, a special, sorry, it's a bit fall off here. Um, it was a, it was just, yeah, so it was a, uh, the best day but the worst day of my life if you know what I mean so um I still were you able to stay in hospital for those few days or did you have to go uh, yeah that's that that's the thing that scares me the most is uh I had I was discharged uh after three days and she was there for five days so even now I still find it hard to talk about that uh, I still get upset about it. Uh, I think it's the most unnatural thing in the world is to leave your child, your your newborn baby, and you go home. Mm-hmm. I think that's just uh, it, I I don't think I ever cried so much in my life. Like it was just. However, <laughs> my my husband husband he's, he's brilliant at you know for support he's amazing and when we got home I was still quieting my heart out and he was like do you want a cup of tea and I was like I do and here he produces me a new cup he bought me it had milf written on it <laughs> so <laughs> and it just broke you know like it was yeah, just yeah. funny moments to remember um but like I was so grateful that Casey like she was fine weight and she she responded well to antibiotics and just uh, thrived, absolutely thrived. Um, however, for the breastfeeding journey, it was very difficult because, like Caroline, she's a lactation consultant as well, and I I needed her at that time to help me with the breastfeeding because there wasn't a lot of um, support in neonatal form. I felt like. There was support. They encouraged breastfeeding, especially for neonatal. Um, but it wasn't kind of done in the right way. You know, like I was very nervous about it. And no spares. Like, what am I doing? And like one of my wife comes up, grabs the boob and just sticks it in. And I'm like, there, grand. And I'm like, ow, this is painful. Like, looking back on it now, a lot of things should have been done better. Uh, like, I didn't know enough about positions I did do a breastfeeding class with the hospital useless what I know now my experience now is wasn't worth it I kind of wish I had it done like a private lactation consultant you know ones that I follow on Instagram who I know would be worth it you know 
But again, first time, you know, you're, you're yeah. just uh, lacking experience, not not aware of all these things. Um, but we got through it. We did. Uh, obviously, I'm still finding it hard to talk about the neonatal situation. And I think it's because I put it in a little box and just left it there. Uh, maybe I'll open it someday and talk about the whole experience, but I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Still, it's still very warm, I feel. Um, but yeah, that was Casey's birth. <laughs> but uh, getting her home is the best thing ever. I mean, I couldn't have had a better pregnancy could have had a little bit of a better experience in the ER room. Um, that was kind of the damper of the whole lot. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is, as I say, you know, and that's how we deal with a lot of things, you know. So when you got her home, then did you just strip down with her, hop into bed, skin to skin, study her, get to know her? and Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mm. but there was also... Because I had such pain dealing with breastfeeding, I had my I've never seen my nipples so caught up. Like mm. it was excruciating. But the best thing was having that home birth service postnatal yeah. care. I mean, that is worth everything. Like mm. honestly, I don't know how I would have survived. Um, considering I could have somebody there in my house watching me breastfeed my child and go, right, okay, and then check the tongue tie and, you know, just making sure everyone was okay. So it was a positioning problem. And, you know, I had to start feeding a rugby hole father across cradle and then everything resolved then after that, you know. Um, but, yeah, they're like, I, looking at how I am now with my second baby, first baby is a very stressful time like you're new to everything and you're constantly questioning yourself and I think a lot of my anxiety plays into that and I wish I had have done more of that skin to skin and you know been more relaxed but he didn't know any different really you know I didn't know any different with my first um so yeah, it's funny just talking about it now, like the feelings that it brings up again. Um, but you know what? She turned out to be a pretty cool kid. So, um, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, and the time just flies. Uh, yeah, it really does. It does. <laughs> like, she'll be three this year, and I still like, but it's funny, like, she'll be three, and I still have a hard time dealing with the whole neonatal situation, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, and I'll probably just put that back in its box now and deal with it another time, you know. Uh, especially considering I am now seven months postpartum with my second. So um, his story is a little bit different. Very different. And I don't know if it was... Uh, me knowing everything from the first time and not being able to be in denial. Uh, so where where are we now? So we're twenty two. So twenty twenty one. No, actually, sorry, no. So in twenty twenty, I we started trying, and I ended up having a miscarriage in 
October 2020, which was very hard um, because it's the month of, what do they call it now again? Is it, what's that? October is the month of like awareness of pregnancy losses and, you know, um, in memory. So that I found very triggering and really hard to deal with. Um, and it's uh, a weird thing because I'd only known a week. So it was that kind of like, we're pregnant. And then the very early days of like accepting that you're pregnant, like with that first week and then the following week, I yeah, had a miscarriage. Um, it was hard, very hard. Um, and because of the pandemic, I chose not to go to a professional. I decided to stay home and just uh, deal with it on my own. And I'm glad I made that decision uh, because during my second pregnancy, I ended up in the emergency room. I can't remember how many months pregnant I was, but I had high blood pressure. And seeing the women come in by themselves, going through a miscarriage in the waiting room mm. that still is uh, a crazy time crazy crazy time um like okay so basically i got pregnant with arden uh early my years are mad early 2021 uh, Stop! I have no, I have no idea about no idea. Like, like I, could, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I'm like, where are you born? So, yeah. So early 2021, we got pregnant again, and um, and did you feel anxious in those early weeks then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was a combination of the pandemic, having a toddler, um. There was a lot of factors and the miscarriage really mm-hmm. plays on your mind um, getting pregnant after a miscarriage. I mean, mm-hmm. you're constantly even checking what you're eating. Is this going to cause us? Like, it's just crazy. Um, and because I already have the history of anxiety, it just doesn't help, you know. Um, so with Arden, it was a very different pregnancy. Uh, but this is where we were talking about the white coat syndrome and yeah. we felt ev- so again I signed up to the home birth scheme again and I got to see midwife again so I was very excited about that process and I thought right this is my time I am going to have my baby at home this is it and I was like yes baby is coming home and I was trying to be so positive about it but at the same time the anxiety again I was this time I was trying to prepare myself what life would be like with a toddler and a newborn baby. I probably shouldn't have done that because that's just a whole, I, I can't even describe it. Like that's hard work. But I was anxious about a lot of stuff. And I think the pandemic adds an extra layer. Of, am I going to be on my own all the time? with a newborn baby I was able to have support the last time are we going to be in lockdown can my husband be with me for appointments can this happen like it's a lot to navigate 
Um, but with Arden, so Arden's my baby boy. So he, so I think that everything went smoothly. 12 week scan was great. We ended up doing a private scan around eight or nine weeks so that Keith could be with me for the first scan. Okay. And for the fact that I had a miscarriage that I wanted just for peace of mind mm. to make sure everything was okay. So that was around nine weeks, I think. So then the next appointment was 12 weeks in the hospital, but I didn't need to, oh, I wasn't allowed to bring Keith. Um, so that was all fine. My blood pressure started acting up at home anytime the midwife came to the house. So there was a lot of issues around that. And there was one particular time, because normally what would happen, she'd come in and then would chat and then she'd take my blood pressure and it was high. And she'd go, right, okay, let's see if we can give it, a, try it again. Because I think she was allowed like one or two like two times and then it would either have to be investigated or it was fine. So usually we could get it back down just by chatting about anxiety or anything, you know, if I had anything to get off my chest and talk to her. Um, But there was one particular time it just would not come down and it was during a heat wave. I think we had like three heat waves that summer. Like, course you'd be stressed if you were very pregnant I, i'm pretty sure it was around seven months six seven months and uh, the heat was a excruciating like i just wanted to be in my brand knickers the whole time like mm-hmm. it was so bad and it just made me cranky the whole time so unfortunately she my blood pressure wouldn't come down so she had to send me to the hospital and i just started bawling because it was kind of my first time dealing with a medical team with masks, being hard of hearing that I was stressing about. Like, what if I can't get the information that I need, you know? Um, but I probably should have pushed for a sign language interpreter to be present. There is legally they have to, but... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I am a sign language interpreter. You know, it is my profession. So, like, I can't hear. Like, I'm, you know, I, I can't hear with my hearing aids. Masks just add a level of But it's me overthinking more than anything. And it is my anxiety more than anything. I imagine the worst case scenarios all the time. And that is, I'm constantly negative. Like, and it's something I have to fight on a daily basis is to try and keep a positive attitude. But at that point, I was just too far gone. You know, I was just so upset going in. And I had to drive myself up. Like, what I did, Keith didn't come because we had the toddler. Somebody had to mind her. And it was like, I'm pretty sure there was a lockdown at the time. So I couldn't hand her to, to anybody else. It was just the way the situation was. So ended up going into the emergency room. And oh, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Again, it was sitting in the ER going, I, every time I saw somebody come out into the waiting room, I had to keep telling them, you know, I'm hard of hearing. If they're calling for me, you have to come over. Like, just, like, I was just stressed about that so much. And then there was, you know, different pregnant women coming in for different reasons and, Everybody's trying to support each other in that room. Um, you know, you could tell, not that you could tell, but, you know, some women were very open about why they were there and giving out that their partner wasn't with them through that situation of going through a miscarriage. And we were all like, what do you say? What do you do? You couldn't hug them and... Oh, it was like I started bawling in there for them. It wasn't even for me, it was for them. Like, I was like, I'm fine. Like, I was like, this is the heat wave that's causing this. It's not like, I just I just felt fine, you know. Um, as you can tell, I'm quite an emotional person. So I well up every now and again. Yeah, um, so am I, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so, and like, we were all trying to be very lighthearted about things. It's just such an awkward, sad time, really mm. is. Um, and I went, I was called in and they took blood, they did scans. Uh, everything was okay. They were 
everything was okay, but the blood pressure wasn't. And I was like, listen to me, I'm just overheated. This is what's bothering me. And I think this is why I have high blood pressure. And they took blood samples and everything. So they sent me back out to the ER room and they're like, you can't go home until we've got new blood results back. So I had to sit there for six hours mm. waiting for the bloods to come back. And they kept going, oh, we're sorry now, you know, the lab, this the lab, that. And I'm like, okay, but why couldn't you just send me home for those six hours? And like, if there was an emergency, I would have come back, mm. you know? What difference is that going to make? Like, I was so frustrated with that. And, I, and part of me was thinking, did they call me? Did I not hear them? Yeah, like, yeah, it was that constant questioning myself. Um, but I swear to God, there was ladies there and they were like, are you not gone home yet? Like, I was like, no, I'm still waiting. They were all like giving out to me and they were like, no, good luck. Like, I could just see each lady coming and going. I was like, oh God, I just, it was the longest day ever. I was so angry coming out. I was like, no wonder I'm high blood pressure, you know? Anyway, they were like, we can't find anything wrong with you. I said, uh, well, that's good news. Uh, but we need you to come ba- back in on Friday because we were going to do like a blood pressure check. So basically you sit there for an hour and they'll do random tests, uh, blood pressure checks within that hour. And then it'll give a true uh, score of what the situation is with my blood pressure rather than a 10-minute one or whatever. So that was fine. Went home notified the midwife what happened and went back in on the Friday and I was sitting there going doing my breathing exercises you know trying to keep the blood pressure down everything was calm bit of music the five blood pressure checks all perfectly normal nothing wrong sent home so like that was why couldn't I do this my GP anyway so but it was amazing that you were able to con- control it. That yeah. was that was a that was a huge achievement, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But what I kind of started thinking about is the mask triggers me. Mm. So it wasn't the midwife. Like it wasn't. It wasn't the person. It was like like Caroline coming into my home. As soon as I saw the medical gear. That triggers me. Mm. And it's funny because I have a blood pressure monitor at home and I was checking myself twice a day, every day. And I was taking pictures going, I'm fine, I'm fine, nothing wrong. The morning of her appointment, I was fine. But the minute she walks in, I can feel my heart rate going. I can feel the anxiety. It was just, that pregnancy just seemed to be one thing after another. And then I had to do the glucose test. And that added more anxiety to me. Um, Luckily, all was okay, but just. um, For some reason in my head, as time went on, I was like, I'm not having this homework. I know Mm -hmm. it's not happening for me this time. I just knew it. Like in my head, I was just like, I just know this isn't it. And towards, oh, I forgot to mention, I was also planning to get married at eight months pregnant. Mm -hmm. So early in the pregnancy, we just said, you know what, 
let's get married. Let's do this. I was like, yeah, sure. I've nothing better to be doing while I'm pregnant. Let's get married. So that was to keep me distracted. And I don't think that helped my blood pressure either. Uh, but bear in mind, there was only eight guests. And yeah. And uh, Ideal. Of <laughs> yeah. Three of them were children. So like it was really five people and three kids at the wedding. But uh, around seven months, I was there saying to Keith going, I don't think I'm going to get to 37 weeks. So as I'm sure you know, the home birth scheme, you have to be 37 weeks plus to have a home birth. If it's before that, it's deemed premature. So I was saying to Keith, I don't think I'm going to get to 37 weeks. So something just in my body, something not sitting right with me. I just don't think it's going to happen. So then at eight months pregnant, I got married, thinking I had six weeks until the baby would come. And I'm pretty sure I was having contractions on my wedding day. Uh, I was getting very severe, like, cracks and hicks, uh, about a week at that stage. And I was like, hmm, walking around Cork City with the photographer going, mm. he was like, you're not up to this. And I said, no, this baby is really beating me up, you know? Uh, and really like, uh, that kind of healing through the pain, you know? And they were quite frequent. And I was like, something is going on. I just, I just kept saying to Keith, like, I just know it baby's coming early it's not gonna wait lo and behold two weeks later labor day comes <laughs> so yeah um my baby came at 36 plus three so i was four days away from the home birth mm. so uh so funny story uh today I woke up again, kind of going, ooh, something's not right here. My body feels different and same again as the first time. Just feeling out of sorts. And I had an appointment that day in Cork City to get my driver's license renewed. Because what I didn't realize a few weeks before that was my driver's license was out of date for a year and a half. Oh. And I was like, and you know the way, like during the pandemic, you had to produce ID. Yeah, yeah. COVID cert or whatever. So it was one day standing in the queue going, hmm, what? My driver's list, what? Out of date a year and a half. And I freaked out. I was like, I can't be driving her illegally. I can't be doing it like anxiety again. Mm. So this particular day, I was like, I have to go to Cork City and get this renewed because you have to go into an actual centre and get this done. Okay. And I I can't, I can't delay this. I just can't. Like Keith was like, like you're not up to it. I was like, I'm going to Cork City. I'm fine. It's four weeks away. The baby's not coming today. And um, there I was walking around Cork City having contractions on my own. Uh, it's like just rubbing my belly like, oh, something's not right, you know. So then I was planning maybe to stick around and go to the shops. But then I thought, you know what, I better go home just in case. So I drove home and I was definitely contracted. I was like, yeah, okay, this is getting very close so I got in the door and I said Keith I'm not feeling well I'm gonna lay down and just see if I can relax a bit and if anything changes so I think that was like four o'clock 
And I kind of started texting the midwife, kind of going, look, okay, here's the situation. I'm going to be real. I think thing, something might be happening. And poor her, she was in England at the time. So, well, poor me, she was in England at the time. Um, she was on holidays and she was like, no, like it could just be Braxton Hicks. You know what? Just go lie down for a couple of hours and see how you feel. Maybe just put on a contraction timer and just keep an eye on things. And I was there in bed just going, just totally in denial. Like, no, it's not happening. Keep your legs closed. It's fine. Everything is fine. It's not coming today. I'm going to have this homework. I was really trying to push for it. Like, and um, it was around 10 o'clock that night and things were starting to ramp up. And Caroline had said to me earlier and said, look, if you feel any bit worried, just ring the hospital and see what they say. Um, like I spent that kind of evening in bed, like dictating to Keith, like what I need in this hospital bag, <laughs> like just in case it's happening. Let's just get a hospital bag together. And let's call the childminder to see if we need to send Casey just in case. So, like, I had put in a bit of prep that day, thankfully. And can um, I just ask, so in terms of your anxiety, did you have coping mechanisms to help you kind of keep it at bay? Um, because you did have, like, mm. a job at hand that even if you were going, this wasn't what you wanted. You wanted to have your home birth. So mm-hmm. you knew this, this probably wasn't going to happen. You still had to keep yourself somewhat focused and in labor and birth mode without letting the anxiety take over so did you have coping mechanisms yeah so with my anxiety I always think into the future and I panic right Mm -hmm. um so as I said my mantra is it is what it is Mm -hmm. and that's all I kept saying that day okay and it's he says it to me all the time like he he could see me panic and goes be it is what it is we'll deal with it and then I do like bot breathing. I don't know if you've heard bot breathing. So I do that breathing. I find breathing is my biggest coping mechanism. If I start to feel myself unravel, mm-hmm. I can just stop breathing for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, and then hold, you know, so it's that a repetition of four of breathing okay. in and out. And that does wonders for me. So even now, as I'm talking to you, I've, I feel a bit anxious. I do a lot of heavy breathing, and that is just to kind of get that oxygen back into me and just calm down. Mm-hmm. So breathing works for me big time. But it is that kind of be present. Yeah. Don't think about the future because it's out of your control, and that's all I could think of. Like that's why we keep saying it is what it is. Let's just deal with what we have in front of us, and we take it from there. Um. So then I decided to make a call to the hospital at about 10 o'clock. And I said, look, I rang the emergency room and I said, look, here's the situation. I have a feeling baby's coming. And uh, they were like, sure, look, come on in. And we'll see how things are. And if things fine, you can go home. I said, okay, grand. That's a good way of looking at things. So we dropped off Casey to the childminder and made our way to the hospital. Maybe cars been on my labor, but it really started ramping up in the car again. And it was that whole, like, I just want to stand up, like, pain is awful. Um, 
And I kept saying to Keith, and I said, you know, I think this is it. I think baby's coming. I don't think we're going home without a baby. Like, this is it. So we got to the hospital at 12 o'clock midnight. And I actually had a bit of a cold. So I, when I was on the phone to him, I told him, look, I have a little bit of a cough. My daughter had it. And I have a bit of a cold. But, like, she had PCR. She was negative. Um, I don't think I have COVID. I just think I have, like, a cold. Like, well... Unfortunately, you're going to have to go into the COVID pathway. So they made me sit out in the car and somebody gowned up, had to come out and bring me in. That's not what you and need to see. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where things kind of took a turn and that, like, I was constantly like, I'm hard of hearing. And I didn't have key in the emergency room this time. So I couldn't even have him there to support me. Um, and I kept telling him, look, I'm hard of hearing. And like, I was contracting at that point. Like I was swinging my hips and like, oh, like those noises. And midwife was, she was lovely. Um, but she, I think she got cross with me at one point because I was like, I was like, look, I had a really fast birth the last time. Like I was done within five hours from start to finish. You know, this baby is coming and I can feel it. And I guarantee you it's going to be very fast. And they're like, okay. So they actually listened to me on that. Thankfully, I, I think I just got lucky with the midwife that I had because she had recently given birth. And when she wasn't long back from maternity leave and she had a good understanding of like how a woman sounds. And of course mm. she has experience too. But I kept telling her, look, I'm hard of hearing. I don't know what you're saying. And like, I wish there needs to be more deaf awareness training. Yeah, 100%. Like, absolutely. Like she could at least had the decency to step back two meters and pull down the mask and talk to me. That's all it took. She didn't actually need to be in my vicinity. I can see you. You know, I feel much more confident if I can read somebody's lips while they're talking to me, especially when you're in labor. Mm. Like, they were asking me things, and I have no idea to this day what they were asking me. And so it turned out that my heart rate and the baby's heart rate were extremely high. And there was a, a cause concern at that point of, they were getting everything checked. Like, but the worst thing I've ever had done is getting a COVID swab done mid contraction. It was brutal, absolutely brutal. Like, oh. So I kept telling her, I'm hard of hearing. And I just had to keep re emphasizing it because I couldn't remember which midwife was which coming in because they were all gowned up so much I couldn't even see their faces, you know. Um, and she kind of snapped at me a little bit I know you told me uh, uh, I was very frustrated with her but then she was like look I'm going to turn the lights down and just give you some time while we're waiting on some results to come back um, and while she was gone I was able to just kind of decompress a bit and just kind of focus on me that was very important and that's where I could really feel things coming along to the point I was like, hello, anybody coming to help me? I started panicking again. And she came back and she just looked at me and goes, 
okay, let's do uh, another vaginal exam. Because when I first went in, I was only like one centimeter. And then she said to me, look, you know what? Let's not. I'm going to bring you straight down to the labor room. I can just tell that you're, you're past it. Like, you know, she, she knew it, I was ready. She was like, I can tell by the way that you're moving and the sounds that you make it. And I was like, brilliant. That's amazing. So she spared me of that. So they're like, well, I call your husband. And um, I was able to call my husband at that point. It was lovely. Uh, so um, call your husband and tell him to come in. So he was, he'd just parked. He'd just left me. And he was like, what? I'm coming in already? And like, yeah. Um, but they were wheeling me straight down to the labor room and somebody will come back and get you and bring you down. And I was like, I really hope you don't miss this key because I just felt it was going to be so fast. So I got into the labor room. Things were very different this time. And I just, uh, honestly, it was a shit show. <laughs> like, um, so I'd, like, I'm not, I'm trying to word this in a way that I'm being respectful. So there was one midwife in the room with me and I was telling her, I can feel this baby coming and I've had a very fast birth already and it inclines that the second birth might be even faster. So I was like, look, this is happening. I just want gas and air. She was very young and she was so focused on getting this bloody monitor around me they couldn't do it like and they were like we have to do it and I'm like just this baby's coming this monitor is not going to be any good for this baby right now you're stressing me out get rid of it but I could I wish I could say these things but I couldn't I was like pushing and I was like I just turned to Keith will you tell him to get their hands off me like leave me alone I just want to have this baby um eventually they got it on and this is the biggest mistake I ever made was they asked me to get on my back because they wanted to do a vaginal exam and I wished I had a refuser I was very good up until that point kind of saying yes and no to things and you know anytime they asked me something I was like give me a minute uh no like Mm -hmm. One of the vaginal, the first vaginal exam inside the air room, she kept asking me, said, no, not yet, I'm not ready. No, no, like I was very firm, like, no, you can't do it. I will let you know when you can do it. So I was trying to be that empowered person who, who had all this knowledge. And um, it just got to a point, I just couldn't, I was tired. Like it was, uh, it was like, I think it was like two o'clock in the morning. and. I had a long day and I was just like, no, like, I just, I'm too tired at this point to argue with you, I suppose. And um, and not having Caroline there that time, it really showed the difference. Uh, so this midwife was there and uh, she was doing the vaginal exam. And she was, somebody popped their head in. I remember this, somebody popped their head in and I heard her say, She's only three centimeters. So I think in her mind, plenty of time. So she asked me, did I want to have my water broken? And I'm not kidding. The pressure I was feeling at that point, like it was intense. And 
I could feel the baby's head, but I could feel like he was stuck. Mm. Like he needed a little bit of help. I could just like I could he was so close and I could feel him. But to hear her say only three centimeters, I was like, I can't be right. I know he's just gonna pop out. So I didn't really educate myself enough. Uh waters be broken. And I said, look, can you quickly tell me pros and cons of this right now? <laughs> like as her hand was there, uh, and she said, well, you know, it would speed things up and it would help with the pressure uh, and it might be painful, kind of like just gave me a, a little, this, this, I think is what she said. I can't be 100% sure. Um, again, masks, like I had to get key to repeat everything to me. Uh, so I consented and I said, yeah, look, just break the waters. So she broke the waters. And then she went over to her computer monitor thing. And she goes, I said, look, I have to push. And she goes, don't push, don't push, because, you know, it's not it's not dilated enough. Like, you only three sentences. And I turned to Keith, I can't not push. My body is telling me to push. I'm going to push. So I just pushed. One push, and out she came. Oh. And she told, I think it was a one or two push. And she told me I went from three centimetres to ten centimetres in six minutes. Draw. Very fast. Mm. Out he flew, and there was my pony again. So I just kind of off my head on gas and air at that point. Was like, ah, my babies just love to shit themselves. Oh, (laughs) my God. (laughs) (laughs) And none of them want to be born at home. I just giving out about my children. So, uh, yeah, that happened. Uh, but, like, there's things I didn't really know happened until he told me afterwards, and he was mm. telling me afterwards that, I don't remember this, but apparently she was panicking, and she was shouting at Keith, press the red button on the wall, press the red button on the wall. I don't think she was meant to be there by herself. Yeah. And yeah. he was, like, pressing this button, and um, the button wasn't working. And then she's like, I said, about like get the get the other. Like she was freaking out at him. Like, and he was like, I'm trying to focus on my wife here, like, you know. Um, there was a lot of panic from her. So, but I was just so like in the zone, gas and air, I'm pushing this baby in. Like it was super fast. Um, and then I do remember her at the end going, Help, somebody help me. Like, I was like, oh my god, you know. And she was an absolute shock. And I don't think she had seen anything like that before. Because, mm. because she was with me and I was on the COVID pathway, she had to stay with me. Um, so she was gowned up on that and she had to bring me to... So thankfully, they couldn't find me a room for six hours because I had to be isolated in my own room. So Keith had to stay with me in the labor, got to stay with me in the labor room with the baby for six hours afterwards. Okay. So that was lovely. Mm. That was great. Um, but then unfortunately he had to leave, but there was already restrictions. And at that point, so I knew he was going to leave. Um, so I was moved into my own room and the midwife came with me that delivered Arden. And she stood there and was like, you're amazing. Mm-hmm. What are you on about? And she was like, like, what you did was just amazing. Like, she was just in absolute shock at what she saw. 
and she like with no pain relief, like with no like it was as if she'd never seen an actual birth before. But I suppose it was a very fast one, though. But from what I have heard, they don't see a lot of natural births. So I don't really want to go off on a tangent on that topic because it makes me angry. So, um, but at the same time, she also said sorry to me, which I found very interesting. Um, she was like, I'm very sorry that I made you go on your back because I ended up with a tear. Not saying that I mightn't have had a tear on my knees either like mm-hmm. you can't say 100% it was because of that but I didn't have a tear at my first and I got a tear on my back with my second and I just that was the one thing I had written down on like my birth birth plan I didn't really have a birth plan but like on my way into hospital I was writing down like I want a birth on my knees and like just having that on paper for them <laughs> like yeah that was all very last minute but she did apologize to me and I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I just kept saying to her, look, it is what it is. Well, there's no point having this discussion. But like, I could not believe the look on her face. Like, when she was like, you're amazing. You're amazing. Like, she kept telling me, I was like, shut up, go away, leave me alone. You're embarrassing me. Like, stop. <laughs> you know, um, it was odd. Very odd. Um, but I understand there's a lot of shortages. Uh, in the maternity hospital especially now and I can't put the blame on her if somebody else should have been in that room they should have been there Um, yeah she saw a lot she saw a lot Um, but the best thing was being isolated in that little room with Eric and having that time with just me and him and this time was very different. I was very much that I need to look at you everywhere. I am just going to put you on my chest and let you cuddle me to death. Like, it was a very different experience. And uh, thankfully, I only had to stay in the hospital one night with him. I was able to leave early because um, I was being transferred back to the home birth service. And I had the postnatal care again. Um, but I nearly had that moment of a doctor coming in going, his breathing is a bit laboured, isn't it? No, 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 no. I was like, I'm not doing neonatal again. No, not happening. Mm. Nah, nah, nah. But luckily the doctor just said, you know what? Keep him on your chest, you know, just... Um, Spend some time with him. You've had a very fast breath, and that sometimes is that transient into the real world, and it takes some time to, you know, catch their breath again. So thankfully, by the time the doctor came around again, they were like, "Yeah, he's fine. That's okay." Like, mm. uh, because this time would have been a lot worse because of the restrictions, and Keith wouldn't have been able. Well, actually, I can't remember now whether partners were allowed into neonatal but things would have been very different compared to the first time I, I just I didn't have the mentality to go through that a second time I was no I was like that's not happening um but the experience in the hospital oh uh very confusing that's the only way I could describe that maternity hospital very confusing so <clears throat> 
the different with de- you know, dealing with different food wipes coming in, doing those tests and checking you, checking the baby. Every time I asked one a question and she'd give me an answer, the next little boy would have a different answer. So they all were working off a different sheet. Mm. Like, so there was one lady came in to me and I was like, look, I spoke to my midwife, the homework midwife, and she said that um, I could be discharged to her care now. Provided everything was okay. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. That's no problem. Next midwife come in. No, you have to stay for 48 hours. I'm like, what? But the other one said, I could, like, there was a lot of this up and down with my emotions. And sure, postpartum is already a roller coaster. But they were adding this other layer that was unnecessary when they should all know the facts and know what works. But I just got so lucky that there was this particular midwife who actually worked on the domino scheme. So she had full awareness about home birth patients and that. And she was like, you shouldn't even be here. I'm going to get you home today. And she did. Oh, cool. So Arden, yeah. So the, the other thing that we had to deal with is that he had a hole at the base of his spine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a very worrying time was a doctor came in and, you know, she did an all over check and she was like, you see that it was spotted when he was born, but they had to get somebody in to assess it. And there's a hole, like a dimple hole in the base of his spine, top of his buttock. And she said, Now look, this could be nothing, but it could be something too that it could be linked to spina bifida. Mm. Ah. So oh my God, that baby, he has the hairiest bump. I've ever seen in my life. Like the whole lower back, just a hairy, hairy baby. Like I've never seen anything like that before. So she's like, that's probably from the prematurity, you know, he hadn't shed it or whatever, but she was concerned about this hole in his back. So, uh, of course, Google, whole baby, spine a bit better, like freaking out. Uh, but they managed to get us in for a scan within two weeks, thankfully. And he got the all clear. That apparently there is something like ten percent of adults walking around with a hole in their back that they don't know about, which is normal. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. So the doctor was trying to reassure me, but I was like, only ten percent. <laughs> you know, uh, that's not enough. Uh, so yeah, it it was a journey that it just looking at the two pregnancies. Mm. When you're on a home birth scheme and you have that care of the midwife, whether you have a birth in a hospital or home, like having that one person that you built that relationship with and who understands you and your wants and your needs and not having her the second time really showed me how important she was to my journey mm-hmm. the first time and the support that she gave me. Um. Yeah, it was very interesting. Very interesting. Um, did you breastfeed Arden as well? I did. I did, and it was such a good journey. What mm. I've recently discovered, though, I think the reasons I had problems with Casey is that she's got quite a severe overbite. Okay. So I think that had an effect on how she latched. Um, Arden doesn't have the same issue, so he's. 
honestly, I don't want to make anybody jealous, but he's the dream baby. Mm-hmm. He slept all night from the day he was born. Now, the cons to that is that you get your period back very early. Um, so he just, everything was a breeze with him, which was fantastic. But I think there's also that factor of you're not a first-time mother anymore. You've mm. learned a lot on your first journey and you're a lot more uh, less stressed. And yeah, it was, and like he was, even for being a month early, there was nothing like he was cooked he was ready like he was six pound ten or something like that so mm-hmm. like he was a fine size and even made work like god if you had it went to 40 weeks mm-hmm. you know so uh yeah like it's been a lovely journey so he's seven months old now and i he's just the happiest content baby he doesn't sleep through the night anymore unfortunately um he his dream absolute dream and today actually was my first day back at work okay and yeah so it's been a big day today and what I realized recently is I've pretty much been at home since Casey was born Mm. so because when I went back to work after her pandemic hit I was only in work one day and everything got shut down. So I lost my work. And then I had to adjust to interpreting from home. So I've just been home most of the time. So today was my first big day of like out face to face meeting adults and dropping my kids off to a childminder. So it's a, it's a day to remember. And now I'll have it recorded. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brenda. Thanks. Lovely talking to you, Cora. Hey, cheers. Likewise, thanks, Ben. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. Just get in touch over the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, which I've linked in the show notes. And pop your details into the share your story tab and I will get in touch with you as soon as possible with a recording date. Enjoy the rest of your week and I will chat to you on Monday. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.